Hello and welcome to Dilu, the Melbourne Demons fan podcast. So after the disastrous loss to Hawthorne, heads needed to roll. And the first head is Nita Rao, dropped for attitude issues, a bad temper, and also because she didn't watch the game. But in lieu of Nita, we have a terrific replacement, a man who drove four hours from Warrnambool to watch that horrendous game. Welcome, Louis, to the podcast. Thank you, Karen. It's a pleasure to be here. So, how was the drive back home after that game? <laughs> well, um, look, I can honestly say that I allowed myself to put on a few podcasts and really didn't think about the game at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> I assume <laughs> Deluded wasn't one of them. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Um, no, I really, I think I just needed to put the D's aside for a few hours. Um, but it certainly didn't make the four-hour drive in driving rain any um, shorter. <laughs> uh, it was just shocking. And I'm interested in your take being at the game. What were the fans like? Were people uh, furious and yelling at the players? Or was this kind of grim Melbourne resignation already taken hold? Well, I guess the first comment on that is really the, the fans were like. There weren't really many of them there. So, and I was surprised to see there was actually 40,000 in the crowd because it, it felt thinner than that. Mm. Um, and even when we did have that, I thought we started really well. Um, there wasn't much much of a sound, um, and that really did die out. Uh, and was mostly replaced by triumphant hawks, which is even more unbearable. Oh, sickening. I'm so glad I'm living in Washington, D.C. when I see things like that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I've talked about this on the podcast before, the terror that... The D's are finally going to become terrific, and I'm going to be stuck in another country, watching it on the on the laptop at two in the morning. But I don't think I'd need to worry about that loss all that much. Yeah, yeah I think that's one anxiety you can um, you can put aside for the time being. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about the game briefly, as we're contractually obliged to do. Um, yeah. How bad was this loss? Was this just a momentary blip? Every team is up and down this year, or is it a sign that we're not getting better and the next the rest of the season is going to be bleak? What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I am tempted to think it was really bad. Um, and I think, you know, all teams have their, their bad results. And, you know, we can, we can look at how... Didn't the Ties get, get poleaxed by... Uh, 11 goals by St Kilda late in the season and got killed by Adelaide early on. That's true. But, uh, yeah. I just don't think we've had the convincing performances surrounding it to really buoy me with enough hope that this was an aberration rather than perhaps a sign of a of a really dismal and, um, and mediocre stagnation that's already could be settling in. I mean, I it's probably too early for that, but there were some really concerning signs. What did you think, Kieran? Oh, I agree completely. I mean, you look at this season, we've been pretty pessimistic on Deluded and copped a little bit of heat um, for being too negative. But, I mean, round one against Geelong, with some huge outs, we still lost. I think that was quite a poor performance. Um, against Brisbane, we played well for a half against what seems to be a pretty average team and still nearly lost. Um North Melbourne had their moments against us, and then and then this game. I mean, none of these games really inspire all that much confidence. No, 
I agree 100% with that. Um, and I think what's worse, I mean, I think Hawthorne obviously are very well coached and they, they're going to be good this year. But I, I don't get the sense that they're the Hawthorne of the, the three-flag era. Um, and, you know, on top of that as well, if someone had said to you at the start of the game that Tom Mitchell's going to have less than 25 disposals and all of Rioli, Proopolo and Frawley will be injured, you would have thought that Melbourne would be getting a lot closer than 11 goals. But, oh, it's, it's really, yeah, it troubles me, I have to say. It's shocking, and particularly that last quarter when Hawthorne was down two rotations, I still thought we had some outside chance at, at 30 points down, um, or at least could have brought the margin down a couple of goals, but that last quarter was a disgrace. Yeah, um, just, just appalling. Um, I think it was just, it was really, there's a lot of really concerning factors. I think as well the the fact that we managed to have so many inside 50s and still might have ended with more inside 50s than we did total scoreline. I mean, it was just, and it was just so uninspiring the way we were bringing it in. It was all the same problems from last year. Um, and then our mosquito fleet were just <laughs> outclassed. Um, they just looked really underdone. Yeah, it's a pretty mediocre mosquito fleet. I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast already. I mean, I mean, you got Bug and you got Milkshakes. I mean, Kent did okay. I have to say, he was pretty handy. He did. He held his spot. He held his spot, but it's just you know, it's not very inspiring. I mean, even Richmond—they're not the hugest names, but they just seem so much more dangerous. The Butlers and the Castanias of the world, and I mean, Bug. He just does stupid thing after stupid thing. It's incredible how many dumb acts he does during a game. Yeah, I just... I, I really don't think Bug's up to it. He just can't finish. Um, yeah, and he's in the side as a finisher. <laughs> oh, he, no, he can't finish. Yeah, I, I just think he... He really... It, it, it astounds me how he's how he's getting game. I guess I suppose he kicked four last week, didn't he? But he... Um, Ooh, I'd like to think that he won't be a big part of our, our team moving ahead. Yeah, and and we've discussed this. I mean, all of our mid-range players, I think, are actually worse than last year. Um, mm. I mean, Harms and Milkshakes hasn't kicked a goal this year. Um, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you on that. Um, milkshakes has been really disappointing. I, um, and Harms as well. I mean, I think that's, perhaps that's why I'd say that this, this loss is that bad is because I don't know if we can keep saying we're a young team and we're coming through like a lot of these players have been around for a few seasons now and you'd expect that they would be turning a corner um but it it feels like a lot of them are going backwards um yeah I just I've got a lot of concerns about the depth in our list well that takes us nicely to this week's uh, Damien Barrett Award for Outstanding Football Journalism. Um, and there was something about the media reporting on the game, Louis, that really got your goat. There is something that really got my goat. Um, I think it was, I mean, it's, it's quite a small point, but just Callum Toomey's article um, on the AFL website when mentioning um, who the best players are for Melbourne and it's conceded that he didn't have a lot to work with. <laughs> but... After naming Oliver number one, which I don't think would be much contention, the name that follows immediately after is that of 
and I have to say, I like I like his sort of self-appointed cult hero status. But <laughs> Neil Bullen's game on the weekend was seriously average, in my estimation. Um, putting him as our second best, I mean, I know there wasn't much to choose from. Really makes me wonder what what game Callum was watching. Yeah, he was he was really average. I mean, he did a couple of things in the last quarter, but. Um, I mean, when the game was on, I didn't t- detect Nibbler at all. No, neither do I. He just seems so slight, I think. And he's, he, he's finishing. He's, again, his disposal is just so average. I mean, the way that Nibbler likes to go back and take a set shot, he's done it a couple of times now, I've noticed, when, from outside 50, when he clearly doesn't have the range. Yeah. Um, and in an effort to get there, he's shanked it out on the full. Um, I just, stuff like that, I mean, I really, I, I wonder how much more he's going to develop as a footballer, and I wonder, consequently, how far we're going to go as a club when players like him are consistently named in our first 18. Yeah, well, I think players like him and Milkshakes rely on very narrow pieces of um I guess, luck or skill that divides good games and bad games. I mean, so Milkshakes had this knack last year of kicking all these goals. And you'd notice that often they would just sneak in. (laughs) And it feels like this year his shots just miss and therefore he looks like this really average player. (laughs) Um, That's probably fair. I think he he did improve throughout the season though as well. And he sort of started nailing a few from outside 50 at at clutch times. I mean, he he really did... um, progress a lot as, as the season wore on but it just oh yeah it's really not working at the moment yeah he might just be a, a late season player so let's turn to the next question um yeah. is goodwin a tactically inept coach um well i think inept is it's definitely I mean, it's a high bar for him to be completely inept. He, he, did, he is able to to be flexible and vary things around, but I did I did sense that he was out coached on the weekend. We really just seemed to we looked like different sides after that fifteen minute burst where we piled on three quarters of our score versus the rest of the match. Um, he just didn't seem to have any answers after they stopped all our run. Well, the thing that really frustrated me throughout the game was putting Jones on Mitchell um, because it's a classic you know uh, tactical win but strategic loss right like you put one of your best midfielders on Tom Mitchell who is a good player but is not super damaging Um, you keep him down to 24 possessions fine but then we lost Jones's influence around the ball and given that Tyson was out our midfield was pretty thin anyway yeah, that, I think that's a good point about the, the lack of depth and then consequent reliance on, on the Joneses of the team. But I, I think the inverse of that as well is that Mitchell was averaging, I think, 45 possessions coming into the game and had been dominant. Um, so at the same time, I wouldn't say that was a bad move. Uh, it'd be hard to say that that was a huge, huge loss in the context of Mitchell getting... 20 less touches than what he's been, been averaging. But don't you think we could have put Bernie Vince on Mitchell and probably achieved the same thing? I mean, Mitchell's not super fast. I think he's exactly the kind of player Bernie would be good at tagging. I mean, Bernie did nothing anyway, as far as I could tell. Well, yeah, I think it probably would have made more sense to try that. Um, 
But I, I have to say that wasn't probably Goodwin's worst blunder, I don't think. All right, well, give um, us the worst. There's a list. Yeah. I mean, I just don't know what's going on with the back line, just how easily teams are scoring uh, these runs of goals against us. Um, I just, I mean, the way that they all go up at the contest, you know, on, in wet weather football, and then you just have one of these small forwards standing out the back that pops an easy goal, the amount of times that happened on the weekend is just, it, it just looks so routine. Yeah, well, that takes us to our third big question from loyal listener Lior. Um, was the lever trade a failure? It's clearly early days. It's provocative. I mean, I mean what are we assessing against Darcy Fogarty and, and an ever-increasing first-round pick of next year? But um, I think at this stage, obviously, Lever has, hasn't been very good. He just looked really down on confidence, I thought, as well. I mean, he seemed to be running to the right spots a bit, but, boy, some of his, his blunders as well were pretty bad getting caught and turning it over and running over the ball um it just looks like a different player from adelaide i'm wondering what what lever we we got yeah well i think maybe um everyone underestimated how important talia and hardigan were last year and lever got a lot of the credit because he kept getting the ball but um maybe those other players were critical to his effectiveness yeah i think that's a that's a possibility and and it does does make me think that there's there's still poss- um, there's still time for him to, to find a similar role uh, in the DC in the, even in the absence of those other quality of defenders. I do think that he will find his spot and will um, be a good player for us going ahead. But it doesn't seem like it was the boom recruit it promised to be um, as touted last year. Right, given the amount that we gave up and. I mean, it, se- it seems to me that the lever thing is really ultimately a gamble on the McDonald's. Um, the theory being Tom McDonald will become an effective forward and Oscar McDonald will become a gun, um, you know, key defender. And both prongs of that, I think, are a bit shaky. I mean, I think Oscar played pretty well for the most part. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I think um, I think a bit, bit shaky is kind. I'd say it's a... When put it that way, it's a highly speculative investment. And if you had relying on Sam Frost to be the other <laughs> tall in the equation, it then becomes, you know, almost a game of Russian roulette. But I do think that um, Oscar McDonald is really coming on well. I thought he played well um, as, as well on the weekend. And T um, Mac, I mean, yeah, he hasn't, so he's been injured. And I think that could still, still come through. But, um, yeah, I don't know, just the defence there. I mean, Hibbert just doesn't look himself this year either. Um, no, he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's, had a, he's had a poor start. Jed has been average. I mean, clearly Hunt has had a poor start to the year. Um, yeah. It's remarkable. I don't know who our backline coach is, but it hasn't been a great run. No, yeah, it's just it, something, something really does need a change, I think, in... Um, I think it's some of the players too. I mean, I just, I just don't think Wagner is up to it either. No, no. I mean, he started well, but I think they'll replace him with Hunt. I think you just got to commit to Hunt, and he'll have his oh, ups and downs. But yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I think as well, I mean, one question I have is when McDonald comes back in, do you put him down back? I mean, I know they really love this idea of him as a forward, but maybe he comes back and essentially takes Frost's spot. Um, and then you play someone else like, I don't know, Weed or Pedersen up forward. Because it's not like Tom McDonald was some oasis of stability either, but compared to some of these guys, um, I think he looked pretty decent. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think he's, um, I think he's better than Frost down there, and um, I would like to think that I'd be hopeful that Wiedemann keeps coming on. Um, I think he had a quiet one this week, but otherwise, it sounds like he's been showing a lot of promise um, down at Casey. So potentially, if he was to then be that second forward, then I think it makes sense having T Mac running, providing run off the, the back line. Right, yeah. Well, I think I think that's right. I mean, I think Wiedemann needs to develop the ability to be a second ruck um, because we just need someone to do that. I mean, Goodwin tried harms, essentially, trying to play that Sean Griggs second ruck role, and it is, it is just terrible. Like, it is in the second quarter when the Hawks really started getting on top of us and Gorn was off the ground for 10 minutes. It just doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. Harms just... I, and I think there's it, only so much we can blame Harms for that. I mean, he was... He, the fact he was even in there is a bit ridiculous. Um, and apparently, well, apparently Wiedemann got 13 hit-outs in Johnny Casey. So it sounds like they are trying to blood him potentially for that role. So so that could be could be the answer. He couldn't be worse than Harms in the ruck. <laughs> um, yeah, I was starting to miss even old Jack Watts in the ruck, who was really no champion ruckman, but uh, watching Harms go up. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Better than Harms. <laughs> Um, all right, Louis, let's turn now to the most difficult award of the game, the Rowan Bale Award for most underrated performance. Um, I don't think Rowan would have been very impressed with that performance. That wasn't really his go. Um, who do you think should win it this week? It wasn't, yeah, I agree. It wasn't, it wasn't Rowan's go. But at the same time, there's a few that did work hard. And I think um, I actually quite liked um, Christian Salem's game. I thought he mm. did work hard throughout the day and that I thought he looked like the one mid that was consistently um, lowering his eyes when he was bringing it into the 50 and, and, and hitting targets. So I liked his work. I thought he showed a lot of intensity too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I agree with that. I think Salem was good. I mean, I'm trying to think who are the honourable mentions this week. I guess Oscar was solid. Um, you kind of stop there, don't you? <laughs> um, I honestly thought Brayshaw's return was um, was serviceable. Yeah, great first quarter. Really great first quarter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, even Bailey Fritch, I thought he was okay. He did a lot of good things. He had his moments, yeah. I think he's doing enough to keep his spot. He's not dominating, but yeah, I think you drop Kent before you drop Fritch. Yeah, I think I would be dropping Bug. Oh, sorry, well, I said I said bug. Uh, I said Kent. I meant bug. Yeah. Yeah. I always mean bug in that context. Yeah. <laughs> I assume that. <laughs> um, okay. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about next week, the Tigers game, the perfect matchup after that performance. Uh, who are the ins and outs? Um, well, I think um, the man we just mentioned, uh, Bug, needs to go. <laughs> um, and I suspect we might disagree on this because I think it's 
I do think it's time that we start trying to invest a bit in Weedman. I think it would be a good time to to bring him in and and give him a go because we just lacked structure and with Hogan pushing so far up the ground, I think we need another tool. Um, so that would that would be my replacement there. Um, but I suspect that you might be keen on seeing Mitch Hannon back. I do like Hannon a lot, and I would happily throw him in there. But I'd maybe drop milkshakes. Um, I think milkshakes has had four weeks, hasn't kicked a goal as a half forward. He should go back and get some form. Yeah, I think he could. He, well, he could go out as well potentially. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. I'd, I'd go bug out, milkshakes out. Um, I'm fine with Weed coming back. I think Weed or Pedersen, one of those two. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, Pedersen's probably a bit of a safer bet, um, given he's a more experienced player. But I agree, at some point we just need to bite the bullet and give Weedham some games because he looks very promising. Mm. Yeah, I think it's time that we should invest in him. I, mean, I like Pedersen; he's such an honest tryer. But I just, I think Weedman has more more of a future, to say the least. <laughs> he needs he needs the game time. So he does. My, my changes don't stop at the forward line, though. Oh, I continue. Think it, I think it's... I mean, we really missed... Our lack of depth in the midfield was on was on open display on the weekend. I thought we really missed Tyson in there. And Viney, of course, that's already an obvious one. But um, I'm hoping he's recovered from the illness. Um, and then I think Harms would have to come out. Yeah, potentially. Which is very depressing, given... How much deluded invested in Harms as the player of the of this year? I think we said he'd be top five in the best and fairest or something. He's not looking like that. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's very reasonable. I mean, Nibbler's not super safe either. No, I, I mean, I think Nibbler could go as well. I think it, it, it then becomes a question of who comes in at a certain point. But, um, but Nibbler and Harms, I would certainly think, uh, are on the endangered species list in the, in the first for me what about uh, Hunt in for Wagner definitely yeah yeah 100% I think that that's a, that's a bit of a no brainer change mm. um, and what about Cheddar I mean is he is he going to be okay do we think he'll be playing um, on Anzac Eve yeah I think I heard something suggesting that he seemed to be alright and it is a pretty long break um but I suppose if he's out, then Wagner probably keeps his spot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Hunt, if we do a hunt for Wagner, um, is there anyone else that would that Hunt could replace, do you think? And those we've named? I mean, he could replace Sam Frost. Um, so that's a possibility as well. Yeah. I mean, Richmond doesn't have an enormous number of tall forwards. No. Yeah, and, and and you wonder how well he would keep up with a, a Butler or a Castagna. I don't even know who they who would they play Frost on. Do you think? Uh, maybe on uh, the Ruckman when they rest forward. I mean, you wouldn't play Frost on Rewald, I wouldn't think. No, no I think Omac definitely is um, has a, a go at that. Uh, but yeah, look, I think Frost could be due for another rest as well. Oh, Frosty. I feel bad about Frost. I've always loved Frost, but he's just... He has too much chaos about him. I mean, you just... 
we can't have him in deep in defense. He's yeah. Maybe we should put him on the wing and just get him to charge around. I think that I mean that might work. <laughs> the problem with him too is he's just so um, he's just such a liability with his his kicking. Again, he just sort of has a tendency just to charge and throw it on the boot. It just it kind of looks a bit suburban underage football often. Uh, well, Nita made a good point. She thinks that um, Frost is a little bit like Magic Door. Um, this physical beast with amazing pace and leaping and all this stuff, but just doesn't really know how to play the game. I think that's probably fair. Um, he's another one that you sort of had the sense was really coming on a couple of years ago, but doesn't seem to have taken his game to the next level. Hmm. Absolutely. But look, that's the way it is. And at the very least, we've taken the podcast to the next level with the introduction of Louis Robertson. Um, Louis, thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Deluded, the, the morbid edition. Oh, it's a pleasure. Yeah, no, we'll, we won't be that bad. We'll, we'll come back. <laughs> um, so give us your prediction. What's the result against the Tigers? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we'll come back, but it won't be this weekend. Um, <laughs> I think we'll... Oh, I actually think we'll, I, I think Richmond are really good still. I think we could lose by eight goals on this weekend. See, I think we're generally pretty good at these big set-piece games. Um, so I think we'll lift, and I think we'll lose by 20 points. I'd be very happy with that. Yeah. Based on what I saw on the weekend, I think that would be a, a substantial improvement. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for joining Deluded. It really is only the diehards that must be listening into this week's episode. Um, thank you to Louis for joining us. Um, and please uh, follow us on Facebook, Deluded Podcast, uh, Twitter, uh, and we will be back after next week's uh, game. Go Dees. Go Dees. <laughs>